KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. This is Radioactive on your community connection, 90.9 FM, a show for grassroots activists, for community builders, for punk rock farmers, and for DIY creatives. Every weeknight, right here at 6 p.m. I'm Nick Burns. Tonight on the show, wow, it's a full hour. We're going to talk with folks from the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network. They have the latest on the conditions at the new state prison, and honestly, some of those are just carried over from the old state prison. But according to reports, we've got uh, inmates' health care was not adequately planned for. We had some crashes of new medical systems. We had drugs that weren't given to inmates when they should have been and more. And again, some of these problems aren't new, but we're going to talk about all of them and what's going to be done about it. Plus, on the show this hour, we'll check up on the Great Salt Lake with another episode of Lake Effect. And also joining us, a special group of artists who are here tonight to share their art, share their poetry, and share their music, all in support of the lake. And wouldn't it be nice, Laura Jones, if the lake sort of had ears uh-huh. and it could hear like we could hear? Well, and personhood. We've seen personhood granted to another body of water, a river. Was it New Zealand? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. And that's being floated. There's a story in the Trib, I think, today, sltrib.com, talking about could that happen. Why shouldn't, why shouldn't nature have rights just like humans yeah. have rights? Exactly. So let's get to some rallies and resources. And I wanted to do a shout-out. Last night we had Jose Borjon, the Consul of Mexico in Salt Lake City, on the show. And starting as we speak, the Dia de la Independencia Mexicana happening at the Gallivan Center. Big old party. It's nice and cool. I think the rain has let up. Don't let that deter you. Lots of food trucks, lots of music wow. and dance. And at 7.30, the Gre- El, El Grito, the cry of independence, he is going to be leading that. And then tomorrow night, he'll do the same at Centro Civico Mexicano's Commemoración del Grito de Independencia de Mexico. And Mabla will correct me tomorrow night on my pronunciation. <laughs> but we have links to all of that on rallies and resources at krcl.org. It is under the uh, community, community affairs tab. Also want to point out that uh, Bambaza Comunitario, if you're looking for another event to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, which starts officially tomorrow, Well, Bombaza Comunitario is happening on September 25th at the Black Cultural Center at the University of Utah. And then October 8th, another cultural festival, the Hibernian Society of Utah's Sam Hain Festival, happening at the Gateway in downtown Salt Lake City while up in uh, Ogden at Ben Lomond High School. It's Dia de los Muertos in Ogden with the Ogden School District. Parenting Elevated featuring Sunatron, their, their... big artists playing that night October 15th the sixth annual Ogden Hispanic Festival and now I want to we got a lot of great art coming up so I wanted to get into some crate digging as you are aware Uh Uh, this will be our second record sale coming up on the weekend at the 9th and 9th Street Fest let's take a listen crate digging 101 with Eric P. Nelson KRCL's volunteer coordinator and we have a special selection to preview today before we go to the 9th and 9th Street Festival with our record sale part, de, where are these pulled from? 
John Florence. What? He said, he said, hey, oh, yeah, I've got about 100 records that I had at my house that he I pulled. He was testing them. He was testing them out. And he said, oh, yeah, maybe we'll have these for the next sale. And I said, yes, please. So these have been pre-approved by John Florence as quality pressings and condition. Yep. What do we got? Let's start with Z right. for Zappa. We'll start from the back. So we got Zappa, Frank Zappa, Zoot Allures. Um, people always go nuts for Zappa stuff. Oh, and, man, uh, I just saw this classic cut from Crossfire where he was talking about obscenity and <laughs> and censoring of lyrics. It was classic. So if you want your Zappa, we got it. We got it. Uh, Dylan and the Band, Wake of the Flood, Ooh, live album. Just, that's, yeah, that's going to go quick. I have a feeling someone's going to show up and say, hey, where's that one? Okay. Uh, we got some Stones, Aftermath. Stones, um, Aftermath. That's a collectible. It's kind of uh, pricey, First too. pressing. First pressing First on DECA. First pressing. We got some Jimi Hendrix, Experience, Axis, Bold as Love. Maybe <sighs> the most iconic album cover of all oh time. Oh, my gosh. Quite it's possibly. beautiful, and the art is in great condition, as well as the vinyl, folks. There's a whole stack of culture come a, club. Come a, come a, come a, come a, come a I think uh, this was well, from my collection, actually. About four or five culture club albums. Again, the 80s are right in full full display in this record They're sale. Blossom. <laughs> Again. Um, a compilation, Country Blues, Bottleneck Guitar Classics. Uh. From 1926 to 1937. This might just go home with me tonight. But again, great liner notes on the back. That's what I miss about full-fledged vinyl is yeah. the liner notes that the record companies would put on there. Some blind Willie McTell. Again, a lot of this really early stuff. The early years, 1927 to 1933. Collectible. Ooh, Rolling this one's stones, got a zipper. Sticky fingers. Everyone's zipper always, alert. you know it. And the sticky Hold fingers either has a zipper or it doesn't. <laughs> It works. <laughs> I took a risk there. Oh, oh there's come on. Sabotage <laughs> from Black Sabbath. This is my album, but if you find it, I'll, I'll make a deal. I'll make a deal. But it's great in sleeve. The art looks good, and so does the vinyl. Nice. Uh, we got some Monin Art Blakely and the Jazz Messengers on the Blue Note label. Oh, the Blue Note Again, label. Again, classic collector, old jazz. Yeah. If you're a collector, especially of the Blue Note label, this is uh, for you. And then we've got two of the what I've been told the original bootleg, uh, the the Bob Dylan Great White Wonder albums, we've got the white one and we've got the green one. Oh my gosh! Um, we're gonna have to get Taylor in John here to, Morris, to price these. these. Yeah, because those are if you're a record collector, um, the Great White Wonder yeah. is kind of it's where it's yeah. at. It's that original bootleg. And, and then, then I pulled this one. Something. What do you have? Is this, is this, this your Black Sabbath crate. sabotage? No, this what is, is uh, digital underground. Who got the gravy? <laughs> it is. It's a rare one. So I, I'm excited. Someone's going to move though. Yeah. Someone's going to be excited when they find that one. Uh, oh my we gosh. Heard, we got double um, album. Digital underground. A lot of like uh, breaks records, and we got mm -hmm. some DJ Qbert. Um, Stuff that we haven't seen before. So uh, really excited to get this stuff out there this Saturday at the 9th and 9th Street Festival. Also comes with the official parental advisory explicit lyrics warning and come oh, holla sure. at us at jakerecords.com. <laughs> so folks, there you go. Crate Digging 101. Where are we going to be this weekend? 9th and 9th Street Festival. We'll be in the Barbacoa parking lot from 10 to 6 p.m. So it is a full day event. Courtney will be down there with the live broadcast of Afternoon Delight from 1 to 4 if you're down there, come say hi, grab some records, and that's uh, going to be a good one. And again, all the stuff we just talked about wasn't out correct, last correct. Uh, last Friday at the 909 Day record block party and record sale. 
lots more too. We're finishing that up tonight. I'm Ronald Lee Woolley. I'm the president of Woolley Engineering Research. I uh, was a college student at BYU from out of state. And uh, each time as I'd come into the valley, I'd think to myself, this is a wonderful place to live. I mean, the mountains are just amazing. And they overlook uh, two lakes, Utah Lake and the Great Salt Lake and the desert. I would just really like to live here one day. And uh, I guess it was kind of a this is the place moment that I would have over and over again as I came into the valley. Skiing when I was a college student was just amazingly wonderful. That new little skip in snow almost every morning. You'd get the big storms with the big powder, but uh, just almost any day you went, you'd get this little bit of light new snow that was just wonderful. I think this area is a wonderful place to raise a family. And I'm surrounded by neighbors who think the same. They've had this, this is a place moment. Uh, I call them refugees from California and Arizona because we all really like being here. Uh, the weather is great, the uh, air is clean until we have a problem. I, I just started to have concerns that maybe there was gonna be more lake effect dust and less lake effect snow. I got interested in pursuing the pipe idea and things just sort of fell together. Israel, for example, uses ocean water after they take the salt out of it to uh, supply their water supply. In fact, Israel even has enough excess water with the salt out of it that uh, they're putting it into the Sea of Galilee. Wouldn't be cheap to do a pipeline from the Gulf of California, but uh, it would be reasonable, especially compared to the cost of not doing anything. This is Lake Effect from the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. Stay salty, Utah. Oh, I love the Great Salt Lake Collaborative and the Lake Effect podcast. In fact, check tonight's show notes for a link if you'd like to tell your story. But also, we have a link for uh, all of our guests this evening in that episode, Mr. Woolley's research. And you can check it out for yourself, Woolley Engineering Research, on how to perhaps save the fate of the, uh, the Great Salt Lake from its fate, as it appears now. You'd, you would think we could figure this out because mm. other lakes have gone dead and we didn't know how to save them. And you'd think we could use that experience <laughs> and save this one. So I am yeah. still holding out some optimism. But Lake Effect, as always, is a part of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, which is fantastic solutions journalism initiative that partners news with education and media organizations, including us all at KRCL, and, of course, the goal to help inform people about the plight of the Great Salt Lake and what can be done, what can be done to make a difference before it's too late. And, again, all the stories, Laura, uh -huh. greatsaltlakenews.org. Pretty fantastic stuff. In fact, we'll be posting this next segment on that website yes. later tonight because at the farmer's market a couple of weeks ago, we were broadcasting live, and I had artist Lana Nielsen come up to me and say, what's this Great Salt Lake Collaborative? I've been hearing about it. Well, I'm doing this cool thing, and I'm like, okay, we got to have you on. So it's going to be a bit like jazz, but with a Celtic harp for the next <laughs> 10, 10, 15, 20 minutes, because we have with us that artist, Lana Nielsen. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for coming in, and you brought with us harpist, with you, harpist Catherine DeLong. Hi. Hello. You're a music thanatologist. Yes. And that means? That means that I bring my harp and I sing at the bedside of people who are nearing the end of life. That is heart-stopping, right? Oh, I didn't mean, that's a horrible pun. I apologize <laughs> on the face of it. But you've done this for how many years? 
About 10 years. Uh, I was working in New York City until COVID happened, and now I'm here, and Uh. I'm glad to be um, bringing my music here. And you and Lana are collaborating on a special project that you're taking to Copenhagen, October 1st through 8th. It's something called Curatorial Thing. It's climate change, but through the, the lens of the arts, Nick, which I know you're going to really enjoy, and it's something that... I think both of us agree, can provide a more accessible window into this conversation, right? Oh, no, very cool. And, of course, Catherine, you've got your harp here, and we'll hear a little bit of harp. Um, I, I think of death cafes. I think of death doulas. And I wonder, what, what's your background to get into this line of work? Is there a professional background, like being a music therapist? I uh, started playing the harp when I was 11. Wow. And I actually moved to Salt Lake City the first time um, to sell harps. There's a harp store on South Temple, Lion and Healy. Harps are very popular in Utah. Yes. (laughs) And then I decided I wanted to do something more elevated with my music um, rather than just meet sales goals. Mm. So um, I was aware of thanatology as a field, or music thanatology. Mm. And so it um, was a four-year study. And then I moved to New York City and got to work at Mount Sinai and Bellevue and had a beautiful experience with palliative patients. Is it like a lic- Is there a licensing component? Mm-hmm. It's a certification. Like a music mm-hmm. therapist or? Yes. Very yes. cool. Yeah, but it's specific to end of life. Well, we'll have right. to get your info so we can put it in the show notes. I'm sure folks listening would be interested in that. Lana, I wanted yeah. to talk about this curatorial thing in Copenhagen. There's a Utah tie. The curator there is Heidi Hart, someone who has inspired you. She's a musician, a writer, a curator. And uh, behind the whole thing is something called the 68 Art Institute, I understand. Yes, it's a nonprofit organization in Copenhagen, and they support curators and artists, and they really focus on learning and collaboration. Climate change, the underlying... Climate change and social issues. So you have put together with Catherine this unique project, and your art, you're a visual artist, and you do Japanese paper marbling. Tell us about that and how you connect then with Catherine. And actually... Heidi, Heidi put together that, and then I kind of crashed the party. (laughs) (laughs) Good plan. Well, you collected water at three bodies, including the Great Salt Lake. Yes, so I, for a long time, I'd wanted to work with waters and to give them a speaking presence in my art as metaphor because I wish that the waters uh, in our ecosystems would have a speaking presence in our communities mm-hmm. that they're so intelligent the way they work within an ecosystem that we can learn so much from that intelligence they have and their relationship to land and especially in the salt marshes it's like it's like a real liminal space you know between land and water and it's it's where life is really diverse that's where life originally started according to scientists long yes. time ago and and when we as humans get into that liminal space and we can think get kind of scared or nervous but when we really go into a place of i don't know it actually allows the imagination to come in to be curious and let our awareness open up and before the rational mind can come in yeah. and shut it down it, it allows a lot of new information to come in 
You use that word liminal and this notion of crossing over or having a boundary between different patches or or however one wants to define it. So tell me a little bit about your work and how it connects with Catherine and music. Mm -hmm. That's intriguing. Well, when they put together this death cafe, it is, it's really about having people gather and forming community where people can express what's, what's coming up for them around climate change. And I offered to make, so I told them about the Suminagashi prints that I was making, and then I've cut some of them into little shapes where they can, they can write what's coming up for them. And then those will actually go over to Copenhagen for a grief shrine that another artist, uh, Anna Louise, is creating that will be part of the curatorial okay. thing. And then there's coming from the three different places, the three different bodies of water and the three different death cafes. Pretty cool. So, Catherine, I want to bring you back in here. You took your harp out to the Great Salt Lake to be inspired. And without sounding morbid, it, were you sort of performing your thanatologist duties worth with and around and helping the Salt Lake as it's potentially dying? You're right. Um, I was invited to um, see what the correlations are between sitting at the bedside of a, of a person who is declining and then sitting at the edge of the water. And it was so interesting because um, the hardest part about the whole project was getting my harp to the edge of the water. We've been reading Which, about it. It's an extra mile, right? Like, right. Yes. Yeah, it's a Great lot of schlepping. Air. Exactly. <laughs> and what was that like crunching across? Was it crunchy or was it squishy? It was everything. Uh -huh. It was absolutely everything. At first, it was kind of like big blocks of concrete. And my harp sits on a little dolly. It weighs about 30 pounds. And I had arrived there and, and met with videographers because they were going to film this event. And they took out to the um, water's edge before I did. And so I was hauling my harp and I was completely unprepared for that experience. I mean that it's like a mile long liminal experience to get to the water. It was by the time I got there I was sweaty, uh -huh. I was emotional, um, it was everything and it's so funny because when um, Heidi and I got together originally she kind of had this idea about um, equating music thanatology with climate thanatology um, and we were brainstorming, and I said, the thing that keeps coming up for me when I think about what's ahead for us is people hauling stuff and carrying their stuff, displaced people. Um, for refugees. Yeah. And, and as I get to the water with my harp, I'm there laughing, saying, I am that person. Uh, <laughs> hauling, you're hauling Hauling your my harp. harp, yeah. It's a lever harp, but we commonly see it as a Celtic harp. Absolutely. So you set um, certain tones and scales by levers. And we'll have photos in the show post, folks, so check it out. We're going to have you set up to play. Tell us about the piece you're going to play a bit of, and our poet, Nan Seymour, is going to join you after a, a couple of minutes. But tell us, what's this called? Uh, this is a little piece um, called Cloisters, and it's in um, the Dorian mode, which is kind of in, um, it's like a minor key on steroids, and yet there are moments of, of light that come in and um, 
When when you're at someone's, you mentioned a minor key. That's intriguing to me. There's been lots of, you know, since Adele, there's been lots of discussion of minor keys and how minor keys evoke emotion. Do you sort of let the situation inspire what key you might play or jam in or improvise? Oftentimes I try to meet whatever meets me. Okay. If I'm playing for a person who's depressed or water that is depressed, I, I want to um, meet them and not change it, but um, witness and mirror. Well, that's a true performer, right? You're meeting the audience. We try. Uh. And Cloisters is your witness for the Great Salt Lake. We're going to have you set up, and it involves you putting some mics uh, in different places for us. And while you're doing that, I wanted to go back to Lana Nielsen and just talk a little bit more about your presentation for the curatorial thing, October 1st through 8th in Copenhagen. First of all, congratulations. Sounds like a fantastic opportunity that Heidi Hart has connected you with. Um, so mm -hmm. you're going to be showing these pieces and just a little bit more about how Sumanagashi, uh, that process of Japanese paper marbling is incorporated into this. Okay. So I, I collected the water from the Great Salt Lake. That's, and that's how I just wanted to work on my own before I got involved in this project. And you take a large tray, a very shallow tray, and fill it with about a half an inch of water. And you take a Japanese calligraphy brush and you dip it in ink and then you just barely touch the surface of the water and it just ripples out. And you go back and forth with water and ink and it just forms these beautiful shapes and patterns like you would find in nature. Like, like a tree rings or like a topographical map or you know the, the wind patterns as they blow across water. It looks, you can see those patterns everywhere you go at the Great Salt Lake. So I, I just thought what a beautiful conversation to have with the water and actually collecting the water. Um, it, the water really became my teacher and just reshaped my thoughts about climate change and I, I've done a lot of shamanic work w um, in my life, so I've really connected to water and elements. And when I was collecting water for the Gowanus Canal, it, it was so toxic, I knew I couldn't work with it. So I meditated and I thought, well, what water wants to be present? What wants to show up? What does it have to say? And I kept getting images of spring water, really cold, fresh, fast running spring water. And they just wouldn't leave me alone. And so I researched further and found out that uh, Brooklyn was built entirely over a salt marsh. And there's ghost streams running underneath and springs still there that feed into it. And I was able to find a friend to collect the water from a, a man who's been mapping out all these waters. And those were the waters that wanted to show up. I mean, it's very improvisational again. It's all, it, I mean, it's almost, and, I, and I'll make this comparison, it's almost a music. You talk about the wind affects the water and how the ink swirls, mm -hmm. your own wrist or hand, your movements, color choices, the exact paper, mm -hmm. the depth of the water. Um, it's, and I'll go out on a limb here, that's very free-flowing for creating art. Pretty amazing. It is. And one day, it's also playful. Catherine came over and playful. played her harp. Oh. And like it creates a little air movement. And so you could, it, so it was kind of all three of us having this 
beautiful conversation. And, and your actual art itself, then you, the, the pieces that you work with then dry, or do they, they have further manipulation? Mm-hmm. They, so when the, when, when the pattern feels right for me, I'll, I'll stop, and then you carefully place a pe- piece of paper on the surface, and when you lift it off, it's the exact imprint. It's just like almost You're a... You're getting a print, okay. It's still Fantastic. in a movie, like it's just, yeah. What is your website uh, for your own art? And then we'll also find the one for the curatorial thing so people can follow along. Okay. It's, mine is lananilson.com. And you spell Nilsson. N-E-I, well, L-A-N-A-N-E-I-L-S-O-N.com. Great. And 68artinstitute.com would be for the curatorial thing. We'll put those in the show notes. I know you need to take off. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thank you so We're much. We're going to have Catherine test that microphone over there. And uh, Nan, you're going to grab Lana's, I think, this time. And go ahead. So we all have our mics. Go ahead, Catherine. Let's all right, capturing some of the low notes there as well as the rest of the room sound. This is Cloisters. Catherine DeLong on KRCL 90.9. Nan Seymour, poet, joining in just a minute. When praise began to flow, when praise began to flow, we watched the water rise along both sides of the causeway. Eleven islands recovered their autonomy. Microbialites sighed with relief. When praise began to flow, the dust subsided. Metals resettled on the seafloor, Arsenic and mercury were lulled back to sleep, blanketed once more by the great weight of water. When praise began to flow, three rivers rushed forth unhindered as greed relinquished its grasp, and fat flakes of snow tumbled into the great body, becoming clouds, drifting into peaks, making snow and more snow and then creeks, then rivers, then lake, and then lake effect, also known as sustenance, also known as snow. And the waters did not desert us, 
when praise began to flow. When praise began to flow, we returned to fourth grade field trips, to picnics run amok, spirited floats and salt-encrusted bodies, boats bobbed back to their docks. We recalled how to sail, we could taste our first kiss, we remembered a day we didn't die. When praise began to flow, we gathered and told these stories, and a culture of disdain released its chokehold. Our eyes shone with love and even reverence, which began to grow when praise began to flow. We sorrowed over the way. We had shunned her irreplaceable body and vowed never again to part from her company and the love we felt for each drop, making a way to her whale heart became unfathomable. When praise began to flow, we thirsted for the names of birds. We learned the mouthfeel of the words grebe, avocet, willet, pelican, curlew, stilt. We observed their long dives, sudden swerves and bright eyes. We noted their cries and habits. Tracing murmurations, we drew love beyond naming. When praise began to flow, we felt the genesis of our feathers. We felt water return to the sea of ourselves. We felt a swell in the lake of ourselves. We felt the surge of our rivers. We felt tidal. We felt primal, we fell with the snow. We grew ocean-hearted. We began to know we had never been separate and thus could not be parted when praise began to flow. Oh my, thank you so much. Poet Nan Seymour and harpist and music thanatologist Catherine DeLong, thank you so much. Uh, Catherine, I, as you're coming back to the microphone, um, we want to be able to let folks know how they can get in touch with you and share your contact info. Is there a website we should uh, shout out there? Yes, DeLongHarp.com. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes. That was just beautiful and mixed with Nan, your poetry. I know you're headed out for some more book festival stuff. What do yeah. you have coming up? Um, I'll be in Boulder this uh, Saturday. On this Saturday, I'll be in Boulder, Utah, um, reading at the Town Square Pavilion, um, hosting some uh, workshops. Before that, the next weekend here in Salt Lake City, there's a, a symposium put on by the Environmental Humanities Department, and we'll be reading, actually, Irreplaceable in company with many of the other poets who contributed. This is on its way to be a book. It'll be a polyphonic love letter reading with um, many poets reading in the context of that symposium. We'll actually be able to step outside and read it directly to the lake. This work is for the lake, as is the music and um, you know their offerings. It's really beautiful to be here with you, Catherine. It's kind of amazing after so many years to come together this yes, way. Yes, it was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> and Irreplaceable 
how many voices would you say contributed to this poem that you gathered during the last legislative session? Yeah, we were there keeping vigil for 47 days, and and over 400 people came out, and over 400 people contributed to the poem. So there are both singular verses and choruses, but there's more than 400 voices in the in the poem overall, more than 2,500 lines. It's uh, meant to uh, call for a full restoration of this water body. So hopefully it won't be a death song, but a resurrection, uh, to use the local that's parlance. That's a strong <laughs> word, but I like the word restoration. restoration. And even if it takes a long time, we have to go that way. Yeah. That's where we're headed, and that's the lake's vision. Well, with these hundreds of folks you you know worked with and who are, have been involved, all of the energy that's been put towards this. Yes, we need some money, um, but it's just amazing. And, you know, I really kind of feel a little bit of optimism, and I'm usually Optimist? kind of a pessimist. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of a that. pessimist, but no, all this all this work, all these folks, folks coming together, the art we've had here on the show, especially tonight, it's just beautiful. Mm. Well, it matters to become a lake-facing people, and this is, I think, part of what art invites. It's, it turns our hearts and our faces to the lake and that will change things if we go you know we can change things that way what is your website now uh this work is most easily found on nanseymour.com n-a-n-s-e-y-m-o-u-r thanks so much thanks so much that was fantastic lake facing i love it Lake facing i like that too well stick around we're going to be talking with the folks from the utah prisoner advocate network up next and to get us from here to there i have a preview of sammy brew who's going to be playing live here during the show on Friday. This is his new single, Complicated, on KRCL. I'm just laying in my backyard, stargazing for a check mark. I put it down on my to-do list. The only way I can get through this. Life is so tough and I am in love with this, so I'm turning my cheek the other way. Here comes the sun along with another day. We just heed the call. Read my journal, try to figure me out. Still a line while my head's in a cloud. Mind is fresh, seven falls for hate. And it never feels right at the end of the day. Complicated, young and going nowhere is an understatement. Holding back my tongue, I could use a little love and patience. Slowly. Till the word is written Yesterday came and I chose my limit Today was a trip and I fell on my face I'm bruised up but it don't change a thing I'm used to falling down She used to call me now And I used to listen I paint with my energy Hold all the memories Cause this world is crazy Read my journal, try to figure me out Steal a line while my head's in a cloud Mind is fresh, seven falls for hate And it never feels right at the end of the day Young and going nowhere is an understatement Holding back my tongue, I could use a little love and patience Slowly inching in all 
support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru, a community partner of YWCA Utah and the Stand Against Racism Challenge. Mark Miller Subaru loves diversity. Learn more at ywcautah.org and markmillersubaru.com. Sego Lily Center for the Abused Deaf hosts its Purple Tie Gala Saturday, October 1st at the Robert G. Sanderson Deaf Center in Salt Lake. They'll commemorate 22 years of empowering victims of domestic violence and sexual assault with a Roaring Twenties-themed celebration and fundraiser. For more info and opportunities to help, visit slcad.org. Listener-supported community radio, KRCL. We are back on Radioactive. I'm Nick Burns, and keep it tuned to your community connection all night long. Democracy Now! runs at 7 p.m. with Amy Goodman. Rude Awakening with Liz, that's at 8 o'clock. Stick around. Maximum Distortion with Forgash and Cody D, 10.30 as always. And tomorrow morning, a brand new day, every weekday at 6 a.m. on your community connection, 90.9 FM. On Radioactive, coming up now, the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network. They're not a new group. They've been around a little while, but with all the hoopla, good, bad, in between and sideways, about moving the prison to basically a wetland swamp out by the airport, we wanted to talk with folks from the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network about what's going on out there and specifically a few problems that are happening out there. So joining us on the show, Chris Moon. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. Thank you for having us. Oh, my pleasure. You are the UPAN, Utah Prisoner Advocate Network, co-founder, current directory, and secretary. Current director, excuse me, and secretary. So many hats. Co-director. Co-director, yes. okay. Yes. As well as co-founder. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that makes me think you're kind of a small group, a, a small dedicated group doing lots of work. Yes, we are a 501c nonprofit, um, totally volunteer grassroots outreach community for the prison, for inmates and for the families. So, And before we get into some of the things specifically that, that are currently problems, give me an overview of sort of your mission overall to help the families and the folks who are incarcerated. Yeah, so that that's why we came together. We okay. all, there was three women we met, uh, the state of Utah used to um, host a, voc a focus group and they would let family members come and explain what was going on in the prison or they would have different focus um, every month. And I met a couple ladies there, Molly and Heather and myself met and talked and uh, you know, we were just so lost at the prison system. Mm -hmm. You don't know when somebody goes inside what's going on, you know, what they're gonna go through, what programs are available, when you can visit. Um, and so we got together hosted meetings, um, started UPAN, and the rest is history. Okay. And all of you involved in this group, is it fair to say many of you have loved ones or family members who are yes. in prison? Yes. Most, um, my, my son has been out for about six years now. Okay. So. Full transparency, my day job at the community college, as listeners know, I work with a number of faculty who teach um, general education college classes at the state prison, both both in the new prison and what used to be Draper and a little bit in Gunnison, but that's often Snow College down there. So I was, I did have the opportunity, I should say, to be out at the old location to hear the final exam public speeches from some students 
nice. um, in December, which was pretty amazing. The warden came and listened, um, and a number of folks were there to hear uh, these these people talk about their basically advocate for what they'd like to see changed mm -hmm. inside the prison. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if that's the same now. But but to keep it focused on focused on you, Alana Michaels, you're on the medical team with the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network, and it sounds like on the medical team, Lana, you're sort of keeping track of what's what records wise. I uh, well uh, yes okay. I uh, track the the uh, requests that come in and what uh, what is sent what we do with them you know uh, how we respond to them whether they be emails or letters uh, if we're sending them to the Department of Corrections. Um, Re requests. Thank you. Give me some examples. What when we're talking about requests? What what are we referring to? Um, gosh, we have requests from people who simply aren't getting their medications, okay. although they have do have a, a prescription uh, from the doctors, um, to uh, people who aren't getting uh, something like a, a, you know, ibuprofen. They're not getting their ibuprofen. Mm. Um clear to somebody who's not getting their heart medication Whoa. Um, and it uh, gets so bad that they end up having a heart attack going to the hospital um, they're stabilized there yeah. they return to the prison uh, the the hospital sends them of course with prescriptions for heart medication uh, once they return to the hospital we're contacted again because Yet again, they're not being given their heart medication. So we contact the uh, Steve Turley. He is the, what what is his exact position? Did you write that down? The director of, uh, oh goodness. <laughs> He's the director, uh, like the medical director. Okay. He's over all of the, the, uh, the medical teams or the you know the medical employees there and okay. he's great uh, he, he he really cares and, and wants to make a difference there and, and once once we reach out to him uh, when, with, with something that's an emergency like that he follows through and makes sure that they're receiving their medication but usually we reach out to uh, Caitlin Felstead uh, she's the uh, communications uh, a person or a public affairs and she there she's tracking it since the legislative legislative audit that mm -hmm. happened toward the first of this year um, and they're trying to track yeah. what what is going on there and and, and see uh, what needs to be improved or uh, uh, and and right. try to uh, um what am I trying to say? They try to um, Just a see what happens, yeah. you know, uh, predict what's going to happen before, before it's happening. Well, I just wonder that, that you know, that we've just seen the prison move. You know, 400 million became 500 million, became 600 million to became pretty close to a billion dollars. Uh, you know, that successful move of all the prisoners happened in August for the most part. Um, and we've read, I think, all in the news about the failure of the medical records and the tracking, and that was sort of the excuse given why folks weren't getting their meds. Gee, it was like a software failure. And without getting into that, I guess I'm wanting to ask, 
Is this anything new or has sort of medical issues always been something that you've had to fight and advocate for individuals? This is absolute It's absolutely not new <laughs> at, at all. Um, yeah. With the initiation of fusion on August, I believe it was August 1st, shortly after the move in July, um, they, it did cause a lot of extra work because there were prescriptions lost. There was data lost. Mm -hmm. um, so the prison did have a lot of work to do, and they did bring people in to handle that. And I believe that we've had such, a, such an increase um, in people contacting us because uh, because well their loved ones well, aren't getting heart medicine and well, they're going to uh, die yeah, uh, well and, yeah. and we got a lot of publicity the yeah. prison got a lot of pu publicity because of this mess because of the screw up uh, but uh, this crisis but you you make a good point there that this isn't anything new but it took this crisis to get it before the public's eyes Yes. And again, as of the end of August, there were, what, over 4,000 prescriptions that weren't filled, inmates not getting their meds, and so on. So with this crisis, are you seeing any improvement? Are, are folks getting the help they need? Or are we still in a crisis? I believe that they've worked hard on uh, getting on track with the new uh, fusion program. Yeah. I'm not really seeing, I, I don't think we're really noticing a difference in uh, the That's medical depressing. care that, uh. that, that the inmates are receiving. So when an, when an inmate, someone who's incarcerated, has a problem, they can come to you, right? Um, but I wonder about if they speak out on their own. What are the ramifications? Do you, does a prisoner get himself or herself in trouble for speaking up? Um, yeah, there's definitely retaliation. Yeah. Um, the, the, the inmates are supposed to, uh, when they need something, you know, some medical attention, whether it's a refill or to, to see a doctor or something like that, they fill out an ICR, an inmate care request, and they turn it into uh, medical personnel, usually an EMT that's in charge of the, uh, uh, the pill line that happens twice a day yeah um and it's the sad thing is sometimes that that icr goes nowhere sometimes it's logged uh, sometimes it gets lost in the system and unfortunately sometimes it ends up in the trash so medical care and medical care inside the state prison is really no better than anybody else anywhere else sad <laughs> but true yes um, yeah Tell me about other kinds of work that you're doing. If you're fielding requests, are you exclusively, um, are you exclusively, Lana, working on these medical side requests, or are there other inmate requests for other issues? And I know inmate is kind of a loaded word, but I'll use it. Uh, um, uh, personally, I, I have a loved one in there now, and um, because he's in there, uh, he, you know, uh, people he knows will he will put them in contact with me, mm. and so I will hear other things uh, going on in there from uh, issues with um, uh, COs, the you know the the officers in there, um, issues with write ups, um, 
Board of Pardons. Uh, there are certainly yeah, staffing the Board of Pardons. Issues, right? uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're they're very low staffing. on staff. Yeah. Um, I also do hear compliments, though, and I forward those on because I think that, you know, uh, employees that are doing well that go above and beyond, yeah. they, they need to be noticed as well. Good point. But, but it sounds like if, if, if an issue goes through you, it might be safer for the prisoner than speaking up themselves, right? Can you grant anonymity to some degree? No, I'm seeing a head I shake no. If we if we submit an email to the prison, then we need the name and their inmate number. Okay. So you just become another voice. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so Chris, bring we, you back. Go ahead. Lana. We did recently. I mean, we do uh, help uh, non-affiliated uh, former gang members um, if they're in a situation in a housing situation that's unsafe, where they're uh, with their former gang and they're in physical trouble with retaliation we have helped them before mm. um i've helped uh molly on a couple of them where we do try to keep that anonymity uh, we try to use a situation in there as a, an excuse for the move okay. um, because even if they're moved to a safer unit that gang can uh, make contact with a different gang that they are uh, friends with in right. that new section that they've been moved to to you know cause some trouble for that inmate that's been moved so we do try to keep as much anonymity and the department of corrections uh, that they're they're really good at uh, helping us keep that anonymity okay. because they do understand the retaliation there yeah. And they are, in, you know, they want that inmate to be safe. And you might know more about it than they do, <clears throat> possibly. This is Radioactive. We're talking with Chris Moon and also Lana Michaels, both with the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network. I want to take a quick break here, and I don't know which one of you should set up the song here. I want to play this song by Jelly Roll, Save Me, for a break here. And then when we come back, I want to ask about some other issues at the current new prison, like like Mosquitoes and like the general heat wave, but who wants to set up this song? Lana, go ahead. Uh, my loved one asked me to listen to this song uh, because it really it moved him and uh, it covered the, his, how he felt. Okay. And I believe it also reflects how a lot of in, uh, men and women in the Department of Corrections feels. Thank you. Thank you. Save Me One, by Jelly Roll. Two. Jelly Roll, save me on krcl.org and krcl90.9. Talking with Chris Moon and Lana Michaels from the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network. Chris Moon, bring you back in here. There's been a recent audit. I know we've only got a few months, a few minutes left, rather, but there's been an audit actually that's kind of depressing about what's going on at the new prison. Aside from mosquitoes, aside from heat, aside from continued probable COVID problems. But tell me about this audit. So they actually did the audit at the old prison okay. in Draper. Okay. Um, that's why we're saying the medical issues have been going on for a long time. But they did have record of prescriptions that had been thrown away. Um, the inmates' names are not being kept private. The HIPAA regulations aren't being kept private. EMTs are the ones seeing the prisoners instead of nurses. 
Um, it's mm. way out of their scope of practice. Um, there's quite a quite a it's, few things. It's depressing in this. overall. Yes. It's yeah. It's really bad. Do you see any improvement at all? I mean, it's only been a couple months here at the new location. No, they're totally not transparent about anything. They have not mm -hmm. fixed anything that we have been aware of. Um, they said they're trying to, well, they didn't even say they were trying to hire nurses. They said there's such a nursing shortage that they would rather that the general public be able to hire the nurses than the prison. So the last we looked, they had wow. um, some, like, uh, part-time nursing positions with no benefits open and then a bunch of EMTs which are working way out of their scope oh, I don't know where to go from there because it's just pretty miserable <laughs> and pretty depressing it is, it's but true. but you did hold you did recently hold a people not prisons vigil at the state capitol so tell me a little bit about that because that sounds a bit more heartfelt and maybe gives some hope for the future hope we have hope so um, we, I have talked to two family members that have lost inmates, um, one, a son, um, his dad was incarcerated for DUIs and he should have been released from the prison on the day we held the vigil. Instead, he was stabbed and killed by a cellmate. He had asked the prison to, he told him he needed to be moved and he wasn't safe and they hadn't done it. And so he was there and it was really heartbreaking. Another lady, he wrote a letter and had me read it because it was too emotional for them to read. So um, I read the letters for a bunch of the families that have been requesting medical care and not getting it. There was another gentleman, 27-year-old, 27-year-old, had heart problems or something. I don't, I mean, his girlfriend didn't know where he was. Hmm. Um, it showed he was in transition and then they called and he was dead up at the U of U. So the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network, I mean, you do give some hope. You do, you're up there trying to help. Yes. You often have loved ones who are there, yeah. you know, incarcerated. How do you keep that hope going? So we successfully got somebody moved just the other day. You know, okay. they were in harm, knew that, you know, they were going to be hurt. And so they emailed Molly and... We were able to... So you do have some successes. Yes. Oh, thank you yes. for that. I think yes. that's good. Again, utahprisoneradvocate.org. I presume you're open and ready for volunteers and people to get involved? Always. Always. We meet them. Oh. We've got, I mean, 150 emails easily a month. Just people. I need help. I need help. I need help. I don't even know what the UDC does because we tell them how to do everything. <laughs> and, and you're a volunteer. You're a volunteer group, None and it's all volunteers. Paid. You would 100%. think there ought to be like a state ombudsperson or something, but it's volunteers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We we are pushing. We since the audit, we would we we've asked for a, a state ombudsman. Yeah. And the ACLU's help. Yeah. yeah it, it, because. The UDC is not accountable to anybody but the UDC, and uh, that's not how it should be. Yeah. You know, I, I they believe that the system would Utah has would a be a lot better. Yeah. The, the inmates would be treated a lot better if yeah. they were held accountable by somebody outside. 
and Utah has a lot of history of lack of transparency in the prison system, that's for sure. Alana Michaels, medical team at the Utah Prisoner Advocate Network, and Chris Moon, the, the co-founder and current director, and also secretary, many hats at the Utah Prisoner Advocate. Real quick, we want to end up with I Won't Let Go by Rascal Flatts. So, Alana, take us into that real fast. Uh, our uh, other co-founder... Molly, who is supposed to be here, she's the one who wears all the hats and keeps <laughs> everything going. Uh, she uh, used to drive with uh, uh, a former vice president down to Gunnison to do uh, some work for a couple of years in the Strive program. And they just they would sing this and have the, the men down there sing this with them. And the Gunnison band learned it and started playing it with them. It kind of became their theme song. And they wanted it to be the, the UPAN theme song at one point. But uh, we would need to get yeah. permission for that and just haven't gotten around to it. So Thank you very much. I Thank won't you. let go Rascal Flats as we wrap up Radioactive. Next up, Democracy Now! Keep it tuned. KRCL, Salt Lake City. It might take a while for that rusted out Geo Metro in your garage to become vintage, so why not donate it in the meantime? KRCL's vehicle donation partner, Cars Inc., will tow your car, truck, motorcycle, or boat, give you a tax receipt, and cut a check to KRCL. That means your college SUBI can fuel Sagebrush Serenade, and your 1980 station wagon can power women who rock. For details on donating your vehicle to KRCL, drop by the support tab at krcl.org. 